It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, and of course, anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app. It's a pleasure to have with us here on the show the brand new the very first ever winner of the next Indigenous Top Superstar. Uh, it is Deanne Moore. Uh, she uh, won this, and it was announced on June 21st, uh, Canada's Indigenous Day. And uh, it's a pleasure to have her with us on the show. So, Deanne, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure, and congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, when uh, tell me a little bit about um, when you found out about this. Yeah, so I actually had some people like um, online, I think on social media, mm. send me the poster. Right. Um, it was kind of circulating around and I'd seen it. I'm mm. like, oh, should I? You know, it took a while <laughs> to really consider um, to maybe apply for it. I, yeah. Um, you know, I think that I think there's a lot of us, especially in Indigenous people as well, we're a little hesitant to, mm-hmm. kind, of, to kind of like, oh, gosh, do I have the criteria? My, right. You know, so... I think um, I start to consider actually as like, okay, I'm going to do it. Mm. I did it the day before, literally mm. I applied. I, I did really? my song. <laughs> yeah, I did uh, an Etta James song. I love Etta James. Their music oh, yeah. is amazing. Um, and so I submitted that and I submitted a bio kind of telling my story mm. and kind of how I've got to know music a little bit. And, and I think that was it. And a few days, maybe about a week later, I, I heard a little bit, of a response. <laughs> mm. uh, what do you mean, a uh, bit of a, a response? What? I didn't expect to be contacted by the Darren Ross Agency mm. and uh, to kind of know more, mm. right? Um, I'm assuming because you, you're selected into a right. final group, yep. they, they want to be able yeah. to kind of um, weed out or right. know a little bit more about the person. So I had to answer some questions in terms of uh, more of my music, that I, that I songwrite. I also, you know, um, where I come from. Um, and then am I willing to travel down to six nations to record in Jakasa? So, Mm. and that if I would be available, if I were to be selected. So I started from there, I I started to get nervous, but I still had my doubts as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, uh, um, Deanne, you, uh, you are, uh, you were raised in remote James Bay Cree territory, uh, communities. Mm -hmm. Um, you started uh, when you were quite young, I believe. Yeah. How old? Oh gosh, I'll be honest. I when I first heard music as a, my grandparents, I grew up close. Well, like I knew them very closely uh, in my younger years, and before they passed, or my grandmother, she had told me that I would be singing in my room in my crib. <laughs> I would be running around the house with a towel over my head, singing <laughs> Whitney Houston. So from there, I think music was really instilled in me. Um, and then we grew up in this little church, I guess, as well that she would take us to. And all the gukums, I guess they say it's in Cree, would be singing together like hymns. Mm. And then I would be singing with them mm. along. And I just, I would just be in awe of right. all of them singing in unison. Right. Um, yeah, from there, I, music has just kind of been part of my story, my resilience. And throughout my years, I picked up a guitar at 12. Mm. Um, and then I was, I was playing uh, pretty well for myself by the time I was 13 and joined a little, mm. little church. 
band. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and that kept me most of, out of trouble in my youth. I, I have to say <laughs> that, you know, and um, it was it was such an honor, though, to be able to grow up around music and to have people that who played music before me. Mm. Um, you had seasoned musicians that would teach me how to play bass, vocals, drums. Right. So to be playing in a band and uh, that really taught me like the, the skills, I guess, with that and be able to show my voice a little mm. more. So that was amazing. It was fun. And um, so, yeah, that was uh, with that. So um, with the music and, and whatnot. So that kept me fun. I mean, kept it fun. <laughs> and then through that, uh, just kind of been performing here and there in talent shows and um, music festivals and just continuing to put my music out there. Mm on social media as well. Right. Now, uh, when you, w- w- you're in northern Quebec, are you there now? Mm-hmm. Is that where yeah. you're living now? Uh, whereabouts is the, is the community you are living in at the moment? Uh, I'm living in the Cree Nation of Wemenji. So this is probably maybe a thousand kilometers north of Montreal. Okay. Um, it's a bit further north than my, my home community of Moosonee, Ontario. Mm. Uh, and it's right on the coast of James Bay, so it's also part of uh, the creation of nine other, three, eight other commu- Cree communities as well. Hmm. And when did you move there from Moosonee? I left Moosonee uh, back in 2009, uh, and then to pursue post-secondary okay. education. So we had lived in Sudbury for about seven years. Hmm. Um, and then we kind of returned to the Cree Nation, like, back and forth. And then officially, I moved back to the Cree Nation um 2017 after i graduated university um and that that kind of brought us here and also my dad's family is from this side of the bay Mm. so it's it's nice to kind of know a little bit more of the cree language Mm. and the culture and so it's it's been amazing since i've been here i feel at home it's great what uh how big of a community is it like what's the population roughly um i would say it's much smaller than the community of Musmi for sure. Like it's maybe a thousand, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty small, beautiful, it's a beautiful community. It's right mm-hmm. along Mogado river. Mm. Um, yeah. I would have to say, yes, yeah, it's, it's fairly small. <laughs> it's, it's nice. It sounds great. Uh, I'll have to get up there sometime for sure. I'm oh, happy yeah. to say that Mr. Jace Martin has finally joined in the <laughs> conversation. Jace, welcome. Sego. <laughs> hey, how's it going everybody? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're here, Jace. So we just uh, we we yeah. wanted to get going, so we just uh, started jumping in, and I've just been speaking with uh, Deanne and congratulating her. Awesome. Uh, so, Jace, uh, now you're here with us. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about because uh, this was this was you know remember last time we spoke about this. This was like like pretty cool. It's a great idea. Uh, you took this on, yeah. uh, you know, with the Darren Ross agency, and you went right across the country looking for artists for the next top Indigenous uh, superstar. And uh, I understand it was very successful in terms of the feedback you got, the the uh, the people that uh, uh, submitted. Uh, you had a lot of those take take place. So can you tell us a little bit more about about all of that leading up to uh, to finding your uh, your winner uh, in, in Deanne Moore? Yeah, I mean, uh, Darren Ross Agency and Jucasa Studios um, are always working on trying to figure out creative ways to um, promote Indigenous music. And that's kind of like uh, one of our main focuses right now. And it has been for like the fa- last five years is mm. kind of creating space for artists. Um, and then also on top of that, um, realizing that there's so many artists out there that great artists 
who just don't have the, the business side of the music kind mm. of thing. So it kind of made sense for us to kind of take a look like that's what this national uh, talent search came out of was the idea that uh, right now during the uh, during COVID, right, mm. everyone's at home. So we felt like um, all the artists are at home right now. So why don't we try to get them, you know, to, to, to send in some videos and we'll try and create some, you know, some energy and some hope for the future because it looked, like very bleak at the time, like mm. when we were working on this back, back in March, right? Mm. So mm -hmm. all the artists, all the artists that I was talking to, I was getting reached out to from a lot of emerging artists saying like, Jace, like, what are we supposed to do? And like, this is crazy and scary and stuff. So it was like, um, it was really cool to do something like this to give some hope, you know, because I always believed um, that we would come out of this COVID, like the artists would come out of this COVID um I think we would come out better. I mm. think we would come out stronger. And I think that the content that we're creating, that artists, like when you have uh, all the artists like quarantined, like mm. the music that's going to come out of that for me is just what I think will be phenomenal. So mm. um, going through and getting like so much video, so much, so much like, uh, like our campaign online there reached over a hundred thousand people across Canada, which we never thought would happen in a million years. Right. It's pretty much like, uh, yeah, it's like crazy how everyone was so supportive of it, of it and sharing it and sharing it with their nieces and nephews and everyone and getting everyone to um, take part in it. And we got so many great, great videos that it was actually really inspiring um, to see these videos because there were so many great artists and you could just see their their heart on their sleeve and you could mm. just see the passion that they have for music all across, all across mm. uh, Canada. Um, so it was really cool. That was one of the best things about this contest was mm. when I got to sit there and actually look at all these videos and see these beautiful spirits, you know, mm. and, um, but you know, like, uh, getting through that, uh, we were, we were really looking for somebody like when we spoke last time, you know, how we were looking, we, we've done a lot of developing and yep. we weren't really interested in, <laughs> in developing this time around. Right? right. We wanted to find somebody and we kind of did it like the, the American idol style where you just come in and you know, you're nervous and you're in front of everybody. And you just got to sing acapella, mm. you know, for five seconds or 30 seconds. And that's, that's really um, a good indicator for an artist because as an artist, you're looking for somebody who's going to say, okay, there's 30 seconds. I need to present my best. Um, what's my best. And then they go to the right, they go to the right best section of their favorite song. Right. So that's kind of mm. what we were looking for. And, mm. um, and when we heard Deanne, uh, man, I actually got to be honest. I actually got teared up a little bit. <laughs> mm. oh. That's cool. That's great. Nice to hear that. Yeah. Hey, Jace, it sounds like this process, uh, was a learning process for, for you as well, uh, from going through this, from not only from, from the, the number of, of respondents that you received, but also, uh, from the quality of, of the, uh, uh the, the people that, uh, took the time to uh, put their name forward for this as well. Um, what was what were what were some of those other takeaways you learned from this process? Wow, um, what it is is just like uh, it's just really encouraging to see that the artists are um, they're just growing, like elevating. It's so nice to see all the different styles of genre. Like mm. um, that's one thing that. Um, Darren Ross has been working closely with a lot. We do a lot of like rock and mm -hmm. country blues, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it's, it was really nice to see like um, the range of artists, you know, mm -hmm. like that's something that I learned in that, 
I hope that's going to help me more when it comes for me. Um, you know, when I'm doing like talent scouting, I'm always mm. scouting, you know, when mm-hmm. me and my team are out at shows and, um, we're always scouting even online, you know, like mm-hmm. you would be surprised how many, um, videos we watch, um, throughout the year of people that are just do it from home. You know how artists just sing songs from home and put covers up and stuff. Mm. So you'd be amazed to who's watching your thing. So, you know, like, um, it, that's the one thing I learned is uh, to be a little more open-minded about artists and then try to be a little more creative on how to market those artists because I don't want to just market artists that are marketable. Mm. <laughs> right. I want to try and find and create spaces for all Indigenous artists. So that's the biggest takeaway I think I took from it. Cool. Uh, Deanne, I, I, you know, now that you're, you, uh, you have won this contest... And congratulations once again. Um, you're moving into the next phase, which is you're going to be working with Jace. You're going to be working with, with a team of people. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to be, uh, I, I'm guessing, maybe perhaps working on a, a, an original tune or something that, that Jace has in mind for you guys as you start to, uh, to develop this because they want to they wanna put a single out with you on this for sure, yeah. right? Yep. So, uh, how does that? You're in there with some some pretty good people. Uh, yeah. So, so, um, w- what do you think of that element as you're moving forward? I'm excited, um, and it and it it's it's like it's kind of surreal because it kind of forces me actually to out of my comfort zone because mm. I've kind of been just writing songs in a closet if you mm. if you know what I mean right mm-hmm. so I haven't really been sharing a little bit of my story in terms of like what I've been writing and and, and sharing and and I think it's in the last few years where I've kind of really delved del- deeper into that mm. um so to be surrounded by you know again like these musicians who've um, Juno nominated awards, mm-hmm. like it's 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 really like intimidating <laughs> to see, but I'm excited because <laughs> sure. I really. But at the same time, I'm excited because it actually forces me to grow as an artist. Right? Yeah, it, it forces me to say no. You can do these big things as mm-hmm. well, right? Mm-hmm. And it forced me to see that um, to step out of my comfort zone a little bit more and develop and grow as an artist. So I'm excited to be part of that writing process as well. And I know that I'm, I'll be sending a little bit of my, my songs to to Jace and Mm -hmm. we'll be brainstorming and developing, uh, an idea there to see what comes out of these songs. Um, and so we're, we're kind of getting an idea in terms of what, what that, that single will look like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that song will also kind of set precedent in terms of what what people will see out of my voice and my style and, um, right. yeah, and voice, basically. Okay. You're listening to mm-hmm. Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app. Type in one of those, those two coordinates and then listen on your device of choice as well as ELMNTFM and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. With me here on Moment of Truth today, we have Deanne Moore. She is the winner of the next Indigenous Top Superstar, which was announced on June 21st, and uh, Indigenous Day. And also with, with uh, us is uh, Jace Martin, uh, and uh, he's representing the Darren Ross Agency, uh, as well as Jucasa Studios in their uh, coordinated effect uh, effort to come up with this, uh, this uh, award. And uh, Deanne is the winner, as we said. She's moving into the next phase now, and that is to uh, with Jace and the team of people that Jace is 
is going to be putting together uh, to work with Deanne to uh, move forward, put something out together. So, Jace, you, you've had a chance to, um, to uh, meet, talk with her, see her perform. Uh, you check, out her, check her, her out on Facebook. She's done some pretty cool stuff on her own, uh, in her own, on her own Facebook page with uh, uh, some original material as well as some covers and stuff. Uh, Deanne, I noticed that you, you kind of like to layer your voices uh, as well and put a lot of <laughs> harmonies in there with the stuff that you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I love doing that stuff. Yeah. Like I've, I've always like, again, you know, I, with a background of, of playing in a band, mm. I would always harmonize. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to add those extra layers always makes it more fun and more fuller. And yeah. Right. So Jace, can you tell us a little bit about what the next steps will be now for Deanne? Yeah, we were, um, so she touched on it a bit. We need to figure out the first single, like, um, we want to go to radio with her. She has such a universal appeal, right? So we want to we want to tap into um, tap into that, but we don't want to do it in a way that's disingenuine, right? Like right. we want to um, we want to find out who who she is. Like, like we want to find out what makes her tick and like what what she's passionate about. And um, and every time you go into a studio, like she said, she she may be a little intimidated, but um, there's always going to be something more, right? That's going to come out, and so mm. we're going to be looking for that and. And right now, the, the the idea of that is to just to make sure that we have the right, like the right song, the right lyrics, the right tone. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that go into it before we actually, you know, like we're trying to even figure out like the style of music right sure. now, you know, like in, um, you know, you think about the modern stars like Alicia Cara, people like that. And mm-hmm. then you think of what she just mentioned, Whitney Houston and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing I heard when I heard her too, right? I mean, like, I love, like, she could go ballad ways, and I love that she could go the old Whitney Houston ways, which Whitney and Mariah Carey, they did ballads, but they did also, like, ballad pop songs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, listen to uh, Emotions from Mariah Carey is what I think of when I hear Deanne, right? It's it's deep, and it's beautiful voices, but the, the, the vibe and everything is still fun and uh, exciting, and I think that's what she can bring, and that, I, that's what I was hoping that um, this song will bring. It will, uh, it will help unite a lot of indigenous people across Canada because there was a lot of people rooting for this winner, right? There was mm. a lot of people rooting for someone from their hometown to win. Sure. There was a lot of people rooting for their family to, to win. Right. And we got a lot of messages of support, right, from these artists and, oh, when is the winner going to be announced? So how will we know? It was just this, this really unifying thing, right? So we really want to present um, Deanne and her radio single to radio um, for indigenous people, but also it's going to be going to mainstream radio. So we want to make sure that it's the right thing because we send it to top 40 and, and pop radio and um, Sirius and all across the global, all across the world. Mm. Um, yeah, we just want it to be the right song, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and yeah. do you have a, who's the do you have the team of people already uh, uh, put in place? I'm just wondering if there are, are are there some names you can mention of who the, who she'll be working with? Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, definitely. Um, right away, um, the one of the um, biggest guitar producers in Canada, his name is Justin Abaddon. Mm. Uh, I worked with him on my single "Free to Fly," which uh, hit the Billboard charts in the USA in 2017. Right. Yeah, uh, he's just genius. He was a music director for uh, Jack Soul, which was a huge oh, yeah. R&B soul pop yeah, band, yeah, right? Yeah. And he was a 
totally and, and you see him everywhere he uh, everywhere you see like cbc and all these big productions justin's there like he, he was just working with tanya tagak and buffy saint marie on something they just worked yeah. on and he is just so busy and he's one of the most sought after uh, musicians in canada and uh he's a great friend of mine a great mentor with uh, darren ross agency he's worked with all of our artists and i thought of him as soon as um i heard deanne mm. and i can't wait to get them two together he is an actual musical um genius like radio genius and right. uh, so to put her and him together we're gonna get some crazy stuff and um I, the, the drummers that we're working with um we're thinking of uh, a few different guys um but for now it's just really about getting that song with uh, like justin the and myself as the producer and Deanne and then the, the other um, team members will fall into place but uh, we'll be recording at Jacasa Studios which has um, Darren Majorowski um, yeah. as the head engineer there who's winning Junos every year for work with July Talk and yeah. the Arkells and Harrison Kennedy and you know it's yeah. the Sheepdog so um, he's he's like uh, one of the emerging uh engineers radio engineers across canada right he's gonna be yeah. one of the top ones very soon I've, cool. I've been with him side by side with him for the last five years um he's been a great help to darren ross agency as well so darren will be a part of it justin will be a part of it and uh mastering it will be uh yoa carvello who is just nominated for uh, uh a grammy last year so um our team is um growing and getting better and more recognized and it's going to be nice to have uh deanne join the team mm. yeah for sure for sure. Sounds very exciting. Deanne, uh, you, when you hear that, what do you think of? I am very excited. Like, it's just, <laughs> a def it, I'm very excited. And it's like, I have to kind of pinch myself a little bit. I'm like, is this real? Like, you know, <laughs> this is like a dream since yeah. I was just like a young girl, right? So yeah. Yeah. to kind of hear that the effort and, and, and the geniuses behind, you know, like the music scene and recording that will be and the effort that will go into it. Mm. I'm very excited. I, I will be in good hands for sure. You will. And you'll be in a, a, a one of the top studios. Uh, I don't know. Are we safe to say uh, not only in North America, but around the world, Jace? Oh, totally. I, I think it's getting that kind of a, a name now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not only that, uh, I guess you'll be you'll be putting her up while she's down here as well. I guess she'll be staying on six. Yeah, we well, um, Jucasa has hotel suite right yeah. there, so she can stay right on site. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be nice to bring her in. Like I said, I wanted her to um, like videotape when she's leaving um, to come when right. we bring her in, uh, yeah. and we want to videotape everything, and hopefully we can do you know the single. The video and the pictures all at once and it's mm. going to be um it's going to be a great thing yeah sounds pretty exciting and you know uh deanne i have a i have a feeling that uh you know what comes to mind when i hear all this stuff for you is uh is that it's always uh there, there's that anticipation that excitement and 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 all of those kind of things but you know it's like taking the first step of a journey once you take mm. the first step mm. It's, you know, you'll be in there, you're going to be mixing it up with these guys, and they'll be like old buds in no time, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be very exciting. Yep, and then, then you'll be calling it <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, that's fabulous. Congratulations to both of you. And, uh, Jace, what a wonderful opportunity uh, that you put out there, uh, as you mentioned, to get, bring some hope to uh, Indigenous folks right across uh, the country uh, for this uh, this next Indigenous top superstar. Uh, by the way, this was the first. This is, was the inaugural. What what do you got the planned? The inaugural one, exactly. So, and we know, we, we've actually, 
we've actually worked really hard to make this happen because who knows what could happen in the future. Like, well, mm. we want to work, start working with Netflix. We want to start mm. doing things. And so maybe this could, this show could grow, you know? Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. That uh, sounds great. So congratulations to both of you. Deanne, uh, any final words that you want to, you want to uh, mention just before we finish up? Um, just that, you know, thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited to get started. And in terms of um, advice, I think it's just even for like new artists or, mm. you know, just to kind of trust yourself with that whole process. Right. And, mm. and I think that's the, the thing that I've, I'm learning as well as being able to trust my gift and trust the people that will be surrounded me to be able to grow. So I'm, I'm very excited for the whole process. And yeah, thank you. All right. Nicely said. Uh, Jace, always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, glad to have you back on the show. And uh, all the best uh, to both Deanne and, uh, and you uh, and uh, the Darren Ross Agency and Jukasa. And we look forward. We look really look forward to hearing this single yeah, and hearing yes. more. Once you guys get closer, please uh, let us know. We'd love to have them both back on the show so we can uh, bring this story forward again. Yeah, that would be great. Um, we're hoping to get the single started in August, and hopefully it should be ready by early 2021, I hope. Sweet. All right. Nyawa, uh, miigwech, and Wanishi, thanks very much for, for uh, you guys taking the time to be with us here on the show. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Awesome. Thanks, All right. Man. All right. Take care. That is Deanne Moore. She is the winner of uh, the uh, first inaugural Next Indigenous Top Superstar, which was announced on June 21st. Jace Martin is the guy behind all that with the Darren Ross Agency and Jukasa Studios. And it was a pleasure to have them both right here on Element FM and Moment of Truth. That's this part of the program, but don't go away. We're going to be right back with more right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show Cheryl Henhock. She's the Director of Recreation at the Six Nations Parks and Recreation on the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. Gaylord uh, Palace and uh, Ross Palace and their induction into the Canadian Hall of Fame. Uh, father and son now, lacrosse duo, have become a part yes. of the Canadian Hall of Fame. What, how did the community react when they heard about that? I think the community is very p proud and positive. I know, again, because, you know, we don't have people coming into the arena to play lacrosse right at the moment. Mm. Uh, like you didn't see, be able to see a face-to-face -face type of reaction. But I'm sure there was a lot of likes on social media. Um, I know I'm very proud, uh, too, that, you know, that, again, they've been recognized by, an, by another Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. um, did you know, David, that they were also um, inducted as uh, into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame? Absolutely, um, so, yeah. Yeah, so both of them are there and, and also in the Ontario Lacrosse Hall of Fame. So, um, so this is another, you know, uh, feather in their cap, so to speak, and uh, for the Paulus family and, yeah. and very deserved. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, speaking of those different uh, lacrosse areas, like the Ontario as well as Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame, it one, is one of them located down around Niagara or somewhere around there? Yes, the uh, Ontario Lacrosse Hall of Fame, I believe, is in St. Catherine. Well, I shouldn't say I believe it is in St. Catharines. Right. 
And uh, the uh, Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame is out in British Columbia. Mm. I believe it is in, I'm going to say Victoria, but uh, right. again, I'd have to look at the exact uh, location. Um, yes, and, and it's been a number of years since um, they've been recognized, mm -hmm. uh, or I should say they were inducted. And unfortunately, I don't have that stat on my, mm. my mind right at the moment. Um, but it's been, you know, they were recognized several years ago. Mm. And uh, again, it's, you know, very deserved for both of them and, mm -hmm. and a great honor. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure it is. And of course, it's even more uh, memorable for the community of Six Nations simply because of the tie-in with lacrosse itself, you know, uh, definitely. which, which of yeah. course, as we all know, is, is uh, the creator's game and uh, came from the Six Nations community. Correct. Yes. And we're, and yes, you know, it's, the Paulus name is just when you, when you think of uh, Paulus or you hear Paulus, you think of lacrosse. Mm -hmm. And when you say, you know, think of lacrosse, you think of Paulus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they were definitely the four forerunners, uh, the uh, builders of the game. Um, they, both Ross and Gaylord excelled at their levels of play. Mm -hmm. uh, Gaylord was, you know, very well known and, and an all star and MVP. and. Mm you know, when he played and a leader, a great leader for the, for the lacrosse game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and they were uh, compared to some of the, the other greats in a sport such as hockey. Oh, definitely. Like, I think they, you know, it's very unique that they're a father and son duo mm -hmm. that were able to carry on uh, uh, playing mm -hmm. uh, at a very high level, at the elite level, both of them, mm -hmm. you know, played at the elite level. So, uh, you know, it's, it's very rare that that kind of thing happens. But yep. yes, it's very comparable that, you know, they're one of the um, greats, I'm yeah. going to say, for the game of lacrosse. And speaking of greats, that's uh, one of the people they were compared to is, is Gretzky uh, yes. in terms of their abilities. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, David, I can remember um, back in the early 70s, uh, my, my parents had taken my brother and I to see a game in uh, Bradford Civic Center. And I believe it was a President's Cup, or mm. maybe it was the, um, maybe I shouldn't quote that, but it was a championship series. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gaylord was playing, and I saw Gaylord um, take the ball. He ran down a, an opponent um, from the um, other team, you know, ran basically the length of the floor, mm. took the ball away from the other player at his, his own net, mm. and then ran back all the way and scored a goal um, at the other end of the rink. And I, you know, I have that, again, memory vivid in my mind of seeing, yeah, there's an impressive lacrosse player <laughs> right. back in the early 70s as a young girl watching the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you mentioned the, the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame being out in British Columbia somewhere. And I know that uh, it's great to see, of course, how, how mm -hmm. lacrosse has taken off across the country and become such a great sport around the world now. Um, yes. But there's a, am I, am I mistaken or is there this, this strong rivalry? BC seems to, be, seems to have taken on lacrosse uh, very strongly. Oh yes, there's. I believe there's always been that rivalry. Mm. Um, of course, uh, Ontario and British Columbia are the hotbeds mm. of lacrosse, mm. and uh, for uh, across Canada, mm. um, I know the other provinces are developing their teams and developing their players and and getting better every year. 
Um, but, you know, if you want to look back at the uh, history books, you would always see British Columbia and Ontario teams um, being the, you know, the teams in the finals of the Canadian championships and, mm. and whatnot. So um, there, you know, there's always a big rivalry. I know our, our recently, you know, when our junior A teams or junior B teams go out West and play and, and win, which is a, you know, a good thing that happens. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's just propels the, the uh, rivalry. I think. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Cheryl, you said you had uh, a bit of a, a funny story about Gaylord that you remember. Or uh, Ross, actually. Oh, Ross, sorry. Yeah. Saying. Ross, yeah. yeah. So Ross was uh, the what we call the band administrator way back in nineteen mid-1980s. Um, that's when I was first hired as a recreation coordinator here for Six Nations of the Grand River. Mm. And I had just, uh, I think it was my first year of employment, and I had bought this new car well it was a used car but it was new to me <laughs> and it was a little little fiat mm-hmm. so i go driving over to the administration building for the council uh one day and ross sees me comes uh driving in and he comes to the door to say hi and then he also says hey what are you driving out there and you know so i very proudly say oh it's a fiat and he starts <laughs> to giggle and he says to me he says you know what fiat stands for And I, of course, I had no idea. And so then he proceeded to tell me that Fiat stands for Fix It Again, Tony. (laughs) And uh, and then just laughed. He had a very hearty laugh. Mm. And uh, he stood there and just, you know, howled, so to speak. Mm. And, of course, well, I had to giggle there (laughs) just because he was laughing as well. But, yeah, I always remember that story. And uh, he was standing. I can see him standing sometimes when I go over to that central admin building because it hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember that memory of uh, Ross. Yeah. And then I also had an opportunity to sit with um, Ross. Uh, I was basically their... um, their, uh, what shall we call their scribe for the Six Nations induction committee that would nominate persons to be inducted into the Ontario Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Mm. And so there was a lot of good stories um, that happened uh, back in, the, again, I'm going to say mid-90s mm. um, when the Ontario Lacrosse Hall of Fame was uh, being organized and Six Nations was nominated. Uh, you know, Ross would know a lot of the older players and have an opinion about how he could play. And, uh, you know, we'd always have a, a funny story, you know, to say, mm. well, this guy, you know, yes, he could run on the court, but maybe um, off the field, if you asked him to run, or off the court, I should say, off the rink, he would uh, not be able to run very quick. Mm. <laughs> and it's just, um, but yeah, he was very a jovial person and, and definitely knew lacrosse. Everyone mm. respected mm. him. Right. How do you think that their legacy has inspired uh, youth and and I guess relatives, you know, uh, to to pursue the sport or pursue uh, to pursue lacrosse in the community? Yeah, well, I I think uh, again, it's it's one of the the good things to to know that yes, we had people. Uh, our players, former players, reach the elite levels, and so it's very inspiring. Mm. I I know probably today's generation, you know, of course, never had the opportunity to to watch Gaylord or watch Ross, mm. um, and it would have to be passed down via word or some videos, or mm. there might be some YouTubes out there. Mm. Um, and but it would be a good is it is a good inspiration uh, for our community uh, as far as. Um, 
you know, keeping the game of lacrosse alive. Mm -hmm. And and it, it is well and alive here at Six Nations. Right. And, uh, you know, we do have a lot of interest. We have our young boys always wanting to play lacrosse. And our, our teams do excel and and win which is always nice to to see mm. but then uh, we also you know had had our defeats too but sure. they've also persevered beyond that too yeah uh, do you know much about their connection uh to the to the cultural side the history uh you know the beginning of, of was it just a, a game to them or or did they have more a, a, a of the connection you know around the creator's game and and the yeah. history of it do you know much about that side of it for them unfortunately david i i couldn't comment on that i mm. you know i didn't i knew them but i didn't know them that well to know right you know, what their thoughts were for playing the game and, yeah. and how what it really, really meant to them. Yeah. I'm sure if you were to get a hold of uh, Audrey mm. Paulus Bombery, who is one of our councillor members yeah. as well for the Six Nations of the Grand River, or maybe even, uh, you know, another uh, daughter, uh, Karen Paul right. or Martin, yep. um, and even um, Richard Paulus, mm. uh, they would be, you know, could speak better on that than sure. I could. And that's a great idea. Maybe we'll follow up with that. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, now, uh, the other thing I, I guess about this is that they are, if I'm not mistaken, the first father and son to be uh, introduced to the Canadian Hall of Fame as uh, in the same sport. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. I understand that as well. And you know, again, that's just so wonderful to hear. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and another one too, David, I forgot to mention is that they're inducted locally into the uh, Bradford and Area Sports Hall of Recognition <laughs> uh, for their accomplishments in lacrosse. As they and that be. Hall of Rec uh, Hall of Recognition is located at the Wayne Gretzky Sports Center in Bradford. Nice, and, and they should be, of course. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. Yes. Uh, so Ross is inducted as a builder for the sport. Uh, okay. Whereas Gaylord, it says, is inducted uh, for uh, as an athlete in the athlete category. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know you know is uh, when Ross uh, was a good player and uh, played on many championship teams too. But yes, he also grew the game mm -hmm. um, here at Six Nations by coaching, mm -hmm. uh, by managing teams, and and helping uh, coordinate teams uh, to go to to championships. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, yes, he. So I, I presume that's probably one of the reasons why, too, that he was uh, um, he's being recognized as a builder of the game. Right. And I say, as I mentioned before, I, you know, it's just so um, it's it just goes hand in hand, so to speak. You know, mm. when you mention the name Paulus, you think of lacrosse and vice versa. Yeah. Was did Ross and, and, and Gaylord at the time play with uh, the traditional wooden sticks? Do you know? Definitely. Yeah. It, there was only a wooden stick. I'm sure mm. that they that's the only stick that they used. Yeah. Because uh, the I'm I maybe I shouldn't quote this, but I'm thinking that the uh, uh, um, metal stick, the aluminum plastic stick type thing, didn't come into play until maybe um, the year the late 90s. Mm. Um, I could be wrong on that. Right. Um, but um, definitely when they played, because they would have been playing in the 70s and right. the 80s at most, uh, as yeah. far as maybe, you know, mid-80s. Yeah. Um, but uh, prior to that, they, uh, that's all I, anyone ever used was the wooden stick. Yeah. And, and of course, that's a, an art form in itself uh, right there. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I don't, like, uh, I, don't, I don't think enough people know about that. 
Oh, I know. Like, uh, like I can remember, uh, again, being a young girl and my grandfather, uh, Pudri, on my mom's side, he came one day and gave uh, a, a wooden lacrosse stick to me and my brother. <laughs> and uh, it was an Enos Williams stick. And actually, mm. I still have that stick. Nice. And very proud of it. Yeah. And, you know, Enos uh, yeah. was one of his from Six Nations as well. Mm-hmm. And he, he handmade that uh, lacrosse stick. Yeah, it's it's quite the process. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's it, it's right up there with the athletes in terms of, you know, preparing it, how it, how it's made, all of those things and the process that it goes through. And Oh, for sure. And 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 the reason I brought that up is because that controversy that came up around, you know, the 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 wooden stick versus the new aluminum stick. And I guess are they even mm-hmm. allowed to be used anymore? I believe that actually I've heard of some stories where they said the yes, the wooden stick is coming back, mm. and and some people are using it, but I'm not sure again I, um, whether they there um, can be allowed in mm. you know uh, competition. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Cheryl, as far, now that we have you uh, here, I'm just wondering if you can fill us in a little bit from your perspective in terms of Parks and Rec uh, out on Six Nations and what's happening with the COVID-19 situation uh, as as things start to open up uh, elsewhere in the province. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, do you know much about the checkpoints? If they're still up, they're going to come down. How, how are things being treated as far as, as the community uh, tries to protect its, its elders, uh, which are a very yes. important part of the community, but also try to get things open for, you know, to Tourism, I yeah. guess, that the, the powwow, I guess, has been put off for this year, as well as a number yes. of other things. Well, on June 15th, the Six Nations of the Grand River Elected Council made the decision to take down the checkpoints mm. at the various locations around the territorial boundaries. Mm. And so we've been open and businesses have been slowly opening. Uh, we're getting back into business, so to speak. Mm. And uh, yes, yeah, so we're slowly progressing to that to that uh, place of of um, returning to normal, but it will be a new normal. Um, as far as our parks and rec facilities right now, we're still closed. We're um, waiting on health to give us the go-ahead to be able to open our facilities. Um, right now, our facilities here at Six Nations for parks and rec have been converted into a COVID-19 testing and assessment center. Mm. And so um, I'm sure when health services says that they can close those down, then we'll be able to open up our parks mm. and rec facilities then. Right. But as to when that can happen, I'm, I'm unsure as of today. Right. And, and so how do you know much about in terms of the leagues and those kind of things, uh, how that's what's happening as far as the, the fall goes? Because that's when a lot of the sports start to uh, really yeah. look for, you know, Beginning right again. now, right now, uh, hockey is on hold. Uh, again, um, there wouldn't be any competitive hockey, any games or anything are not to be played mm. um, until it's announced by Ontario Province. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that that probably won't happen until stage three when we when they announce we can go into stage three. Mm. Um, so we'll be patiently waiting on that, mm-hmm. and hopefully can reach that before September. Right, but. Uh, Again, it's something that's unsure. Right. Uh, what else, uh, Cheryl, that we haven't talked about in terms of the community that you think might, people might like to hear about or, or know about, whether it's uh, in regard to uh, recreation or just in terms of uh, general uh, about the community itself? Well, we're very proud in the sense that uh, we've been able, our long-term care 
mm. uh, facility uh, during these this uh, pandemic has been uh, COVID nineteen free. Mm-hmm. Our 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 residents and our um, health professionals that work in that facility have not you know contracted the virus, which so that's been a great um, accomplishment. Mm. And so we're very proud of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we we've had I believe it was fourteen was the last. Uh, um, number that I saw was uh, the number of cases right. that were positive, mm-hmm. um, but overall, you know, we haven't had uh, an outbreak, which is which is very good for the community. So that shows that you know the community has been very mindful of uh, following the 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 rules or the guidelines that are set in place. Yeah, yeah, that's so, great. That's great to hear. So, yeah, so we're very happy of that. Hmm. Uh, Cheryl, it's been really wonderful uh, for you to be able to join us at such short notice uh, and, and do the interview. With <laughs> Anytime, us. David. So, Nyawa, uh, very much for, for uh, uh, joining us here on the show and talking about uh, uh, Ross and Gaylord Palace and their induction into the Canadian Hall of Fame and uh, the other inductions that they've already received and telling us about that and about uh, their involvement in the community, what they mean to the community as well as to the game of lacrosse itself. So, we really appreciate that. Yeah. You take care as well, David. Stay healthy. Uh-huh. Likewise, you too. That's Cheryl Henhock. She's the Director of edu- Recreation rather, at the Six Nations Parks and Recreation on the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. That's this part of the show. Please don't go away because we will be right back with more right here on Element FM and Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. It is a pleasure to welcome Cheryl Bernard with us uh, to the show. She's President and Chief Executive Officer at the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, the reason we're speaking with Cheryl is because we're uh, we're talking about uh, some Indigenous athletes, uh, both Ross and Gaylord Paulus, uh, who are uh, members of the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame, uh, but now part of the Canadian Sports uh, Royalty as well, being inducted into the Canada's Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, Cheryl, you're here to, to speak with us about that. If I can give you a little bit of a back history with Canada's Please. Sports Hall of Fame, there's, mm. you know, one of the things, first of all, we've been inducting athletes for 65 years in this country. And What I think uh, the bigger focus for us is to induct athletes that represent all Canadians. And so we we recognize all sports in this country and we showcase our country's diversity, inclusion and accessibility. We we induct women and men, Paralympians, Mm -hmm. Olympians, Indigenous sports athletes. And through each of these class of Hall of Famers that we induct annually, we award what is called the Order of Sport, which is a new award as of last year. And and the important thing to understand about the order of sport is, first of all, Ross and Gaylord both were inducted for their incredible sporting careers. That that goes without saying. But what the second part of this induction is with being awarded the order of sport in Canada is that they're also being recognized for the value and the impact they give back to their communities. And Mm. I think that's hugely important. A lot of these athletes people do not understand in Canada is they go beyond their sport. They go beyond the podium and they step back out into the communities as, as advocators and educators and, and they coach in their sport and they give so much back. And 
I don't know if that awareness has been made as well. We're trying to tell the full story about these athletes. And Ross and Gaylord, you you couldn't find two better individuals that demonstrate leadership skills in their sports and in their community. Mm. Nicely said. And of course, you know, e- even though they're being honored for these things, and rightfully so, uh, when you look at their stories, uh, they're certainly were, were not short of struggle in, in going forward with their sport and what they had to battle to get there. No, it's, it's you know, and I think that's what why we value them so much as educators and, and, and why they go out and they really speak to the values that we learn as Canadians in this country. Um, you know, when kids will be able to stand up and understand that there's a challenge when you go out and you compete in sport, that it's not easy. You know, I remember Wilton Littlechild, when he got inducted, he said to me specifically, he was in residential school and he said, sport saved my life. I will Mm. always speak to the value of sport. Mm. Yeah, and nicely said. Um, Of course, the the nice thing is that uh, uh, Gaylord and Ross, father and son, Oh, it's it's amazing. Um, we have a couple father and son duos in the hall, but not in the same sport. So this is quite unique in the same sport. And the Paulus family, they should be so proud. The Indigenous community should be so proud because that's pretty incredible to have <laughs> father and son. How many years mm. later? You know, mm. we we inducted uh, Gaylord in 2017, and then Ross mm. in 2020. Yeah. And uh, they were they were inducted for uh, two different uh, things. Uh, Ross inducted uh, as a builder. Yes, Ross is definitely what what we looked at with Ross is as I spoke about what they do beyond their sport. So when mm. you look at a builder, the difference between a builder and an athlete. So Gaylord was inducted as an athlete for his success in lacrosse. Ross as well, a successful athlete. Mm. But when you're inducted as a builder, you're looked at for what you have done to build this country and your sport. And again, I I look at Ross, despite encountering like discrimination and racism from spectators and opposing team, he continually broke down barriers for the Indigenous peoples with his, it's his, it was his sportsmanship, it was his athleticism, his championship caliber coaching and his leadership. And so mm. that's what we really looked at when, when our, our selection committee went through the 200 and what I'm trying to remember the exact number, 230 nominations that we have at mm. the hall. And we only inducted 11 this year. Mm. Um, they really, really keyed in on what Ross has done. He never stopped inspiring the next generation and, and building on a dynamic foundation. He's helped um, that helped establish sport. And, and mm. so that is, that's why builders are inducted because of what they've done. And it's mostly behind the scenes. It's, it's not in the limelight. They're not on the stage. They're not on the podium. They're not on the world stage. They're behind the scenes trying to, to build a better Canada through sport. Mm-hmm. And within their community of Six Nations, uh, you know, just after Gaylord uh, passed away, they renamed the, uh, the arena after him, of course, as well. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so much recognition that goes along. And I think, you know, for us, when we induct an individual, um, I think it gives them recognition, stature, a runway, an ability to continue to go out in the community and if they're no longer with us, it also gives their families an ability and, and mm. their, their Indigenous peoples and community an ability to continue to recognize and share what they've done. And that's a lesson for youth in this country. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, Cheryl, if we were to uh, pay a visit to the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame uh, and do a physical visit, what would we see when we recognize uh, athletes there? Well, there's a lot of... So one of the things that um, we have, which is effectively the Indigenous Sports Hall of Fame is the Tom mm. Longboat Award here. Mm. And um, it was established in 1951 to recognize Aboriginal athletes for their outstanding contributions to sport in Canada. And so we recognize uh, at our induction every year, the new Tom Longboat Award winners, the young um, individuals that are nominated and win uh, the Tom Longboat Award. And we actually have that trophy on display. Mm. Um, Beyond that, the Hall of Fame is full of thousands of artifacts and it's a storytelling. When you walk mm. through the Hall of Fame and it will take some people four to five hours to walk through because you read mm. every story and you go back in time and you learn the lessons and the trials and, and the discrimination that some athletes mm. um, have encountered and, and you really were historic storytellers. And we mm. tell the stories so that individuals will, I think it creates awareness, it creates conversation, and a lot of times it creates change. And, you know, we've all realized lately with the um, Black Lives Matter um, mm. and All Lives Matter in this country, but that people have to step up and we have to tell the historic story behind these athletes, what they endured. And when we do that, that will promote conversation. I hope it promotes awareness. And then I hope we can all do better. Hmm. So, you know, I, I think when you come through the hall, it's, it's, it's an educational, it's culture, it's, it's tourism, there's fun stories, there's artifacts, and there's, you know, individual lacrosse sticks, and there's athlete shoes, and every piece, every artifact has a story behind it that's fascinating. And I'm sure when you when you actually get to see those items uh, there in front of you, you really get a sense of the history and the and the effort and 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 the person that wore them or used them. You do, and you know we're doing a new digital init initiative just because of the times we're in right now, mm. where we're having we're taking a 360 degree view of of say it would be a lacrosse stick, and then mm. we're having the athlete who donated or who's lacrosse stick that is we're having that athlete tell the story behind that stick and the winning of you know whatever event it was mm. and so it's a very cool way to attach the artifact to the athlete and then go out and tell the story and that really impacts youth and you know for us we're trying to create a greater link between the elite athletes that are inducted into this hall and the young Canadians that hear their stories and we want to promote it's it's simple we really want to promote health and achievement. And we want to promote participation in sport amongst all Canadians with most certainly a focus on youth. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. We're just about to wrap up our time and we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I'm just wondering, is there anything else that comes to mind in regard to the story around both Gaylord and Ross Paulus and their, their connection to lacrosse and or sport in general that jumps out at you when you became familiar with their stories? Well, I think you you actually mentioned it earlier, and I think it's what they had to overcome to achieve what they did. Mm. You know, it, it definitely wasn't an easy time. Um, I think that we all have to respect the difficulty, the discrimination, the racism, um, you know, and they broke down barriers. And I think for both Gaylord and Ross, that's what I respect so much. They came through a time, and, I, and I'm an athlete, and, and I didn't have 
those difficulties coming through my sport. But when I look at where they ended up and, and what they did and their success in sport and as builders, um, the level of respect I have for what they did and what they had to overcome um, is incredible. And I think it's a great lesson going forward. And I hope we continue to tell their stories so that everyone can understand and, and have some awareness and, and, and learn some lessons from what they did. When you say that, it really does make me think of, because they tell that story and how they used what was going against them, the racism and all the, the comments that were coming at them, and how they, they used that as fuel to, to better themselves, to make themselves work even harder. Well, and I, I think that for all athletes, you do that. But mm. for a lot of us, we don't understand the additional uh, issues that you have to struggle through. And I sure. think that's why, you know, that's why we represent all Canadians. We represent all sports. You know, lacrosse doesn't always get as much um, awareness as you think about hockey yeah. or basketball. And mm. so that's our job and our responsibility as Canada Sports Hall of Fame to make sure everyone is recognized who is, in a, is at an elite level. And they don't have to play an elite sport or one of Canada's favorite sports. You know, it's interesting you say lacrosse not getting as much recognition, and it's true, but, but do you not think that it is going to be one of the top sports around the globe at some point? I absolutely agree, and I think, you know, it's it's building and building in Canada, and most certainly because of Ross and Gaylord, um, most certainly because it's, it's gaining traction across this country. Canada seems to have been a little bit slower, um, you know, to gain the lacrosse uh, you know, get on that kind of focus group with lacrosse and really build the game, but it's coming and, and I know it will be there. And I think this is both of these um, Hall of Famers uh, help that happen. Right. Cheryl, just before we go, you mentioned this online presence you're going to start uh, uh, doing for the uh, Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, when might we start to see some of that? And when, when might uh, that kind of stuff become available for people to start uh, looking forward to seeing? The end of August, I think we'll have most of it done and we're going to use it in our education sessions. We're going to use it um, via social media where we have different Hall of Famers talking about the artifact and we'll have a really cool 360 degree view of the artifact while they're talking. And And I think the kids will enjoy it when we go out to the schools and the, mm. and the kids come here. So uh, the end of August, you can look for that then. Cheryl Bernard, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. And that is our show for today. Thanks for listening. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.